This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. We have Dr. Catherine Malerba, the CEO and founder of Metzel AI, joining us now. Good morning. Dr. Catherine, good morning. Yes, hi, can you hear me? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you. Thanks for your patience. So first and foremost, let's just talk about the infusion of AI, deep machine learning, and uh, medicine or biotech, just how those worlds come together. Um, those worlds have actually been together for quite a few years. Mm. Um, it's been used in the in the imaging industry for many years. Mm. I think it's just now with the fourth industrial revolution already kicked off um, that people are more aware of it. Mm. Um, so it's, well, basically automating because the overload, the overburden of um, healthcare yeah. currently in our country and even globally, yeah. um, it's more than what the medical professions can allow. So with the AI, it's trying to streamline that process, help to automate processes by using things like deep machine learning and such. Okay. So, I mean, often on this particular slot, we try to just simplify Uh, terminology like deep machine learning, like AI, new advancements in AI, uh, cognitive AI, regenerative, you know, we're we're trying and we show people how it's used in areas like art, um, finance, fintech. In medicine, just help us understand what we're talking about when we're asking the computer to be so perceptive that it can almost pick up the fact that you might have breast cancer. So the umbrella term for everything that is under this field is uh, artificial intelligence. Mm. And one of the subsets is called machine learning Mm. or deep machine learning. Now, with machine learning, uh, you're basically providing a set of images to a computer and it's able to classify, to say these are red images, these are yellow, these are green. Then when it comes to deep machine learning, it actually starts recognizing complex things Um, similar to what the human brain would do. If they Mm. see a new picture, a new something, your brain will develop its own uh, neural network or its own connections, and it will start developing, uh, joining the dots between images, sometimes beyond what the human eye can see. Um, And that is where deep machine learning um, is being used. So if, for example, they have hundreds of X-ray images and they're looking at it, um, and you run this through a deep machine learning system, it will be able to pick up little things. It might notice um, a cancer on the images yeah. uh, that no one else has noticed. And it will notice it on thousands of images. And it will start developing its own system for saying, I know in this corner of the image, usually I see a cancer or a something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, and well, yes, deep machine learning is only as smart as uh, the images that you give it. Yeah. So if you're going to give it like random images, like cartoon images, <laughs> then it's going to be trained on that. Yeah. So that's the big thing about it is you need good data okay. um, and accurate data to feed it, um, to run through the system. And then it's able to do really amazing um, okay. pickups of tiny things. Yeah. Okay. So from what you're saying, and, I, and, and, and I'm just going to oversimplify it, but you'll correct me. It just feels to me like you are using what already exists in radiology, those X-ray images, genetic sequencing uh, codes, 
and then uh, computerizing everything to just allow the computer to make a diagnosis faster than what would happen under normal circumstances. Exactly that. You've actually explained it beautifully. No, that is exactly that. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about the software and tell us about how it's being used in oncology treatments, particularly this area of breast cancer treatment. So the deep machine learning or artificial neural network that we developed was about about four or five years ago Mm. uh, where we took ultrasound images um, from patients that were diagnosed with specific cancers and we started training it on the system and we actually found a way to pick up cancers before a biopsy is done. So the system was able to actually tell you the name of the cancer. Remember, there are many different types of breast cancer, not just one type. Oh, really? And it's able, yeah, it's able to discern, to say this is this type of cancer, that type of cancer. And uh, in a typical setup, um, in our country, patients can wait a couple of days to weeks to months to get those results. Yeah. Now, literally within seconds, on site, more specifically in rural setting, we've rolled this out at clinics that are in far outlying areas, those that yeah. do not have access to things like biopsies, um, so that they can get a quicker referral time to specialists. Okay. So the, the big thing is, is making earlier diagnosis where most patients in our country tend to have late diagnosis. Yeah. Okay, so you've said something really intriguing to me. Please help us. I thought there was one breast cancer and it's either you have it or you don't. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of look. That's that's something we've we've realised in the in the rural communities, especially. Um, there's a massive lack of education around breast cancer and what it is. So there are easily 20 plus main types of breast cancer, and then many other subtypes. The most common one, about 80 percent of patients have that ca- cancer. It's called ductal carcinoma because uh, the uh, the breast cancer mainly. Uh, comes from the ducts in the breast. Um, and then the second most common one is lobular carcinoma, but there are many other variants as well. Maybe not as often seen, but they are still yeah. possible. And then besides those main types, um, each cancer, I usually that each cancer is fed by a different thing in your body. The majority of breast cancers are fed by the hormones that make us female, estrogen and progesterone. Mm -hmm. Um, That is why the highest rate of cancers is in female patients. Um, So most cancers are fed by that, but some of them are also um, sort of switched on or get that switch to start uh, growing in a person from other genetic things in patients. Um, and that's typically also when patients then go for treatment at oncology. They'll say, but why is this patient getting the nice chemotherapy? And this one, I'm getting the bad chemotherapy. Mm. Also because they think there's only one type of chemo. Yeah. But all the different types of cancers have different things that it's feeding on. The majority is on estrogen progesterone, but the other ones are on other things. And then you get different types of chemo to address those cancers. My goodness, okay. There's a big gap there in the education about it. Yeah, well, thank you for filling that gap for for us this morning. Uh, Staying within that uh, tack of just insights and education, we often associate breast cancer with women, and you've alluded to this, and you've explained why. The the hormonal uh, chemical balances of estrogen and progesterone in the body, but we are told that somewhere in the region, and I could be wrong, of about 7% of diagnoses actually uh, apply to men. So, could you just tell us about research in this area and how this software uh, 
is is helping with the diagnosis of male forms of breast cancer, if at all? Yes, so I think the stat is about 2% of all okay. breast cancers are um, men, men okay. which that wouldn't seem like a lot, but if you think of the grand scream of the total amount of uh, population in our country, 2% is quite a lot. Um, it's typically male patients that had other cancers, like a prostate cancer or so, um, that tend to develop a breast cancer. Um, where that becomes unique is because us as females, we have estrogen, progesterone. Males have more testosterone, mm. right? So that's what makes them men. men. Mm. But even in men, you get uh, small amounts of estrogen um, also in the um, in their genetic makeup, okay. but in a lesser form. Um, so there are other things that can cause that breast cancer, but I've seen the youngest patient I've seen was a 10-year-old boy Aww. who developed a aggressive breast cancer. So actually, the way we present it is that nobody, um, nobody gets to uh, choose whether or not they have breast cancer. It's not always related to family history. It can, it can really happen to everyone, but the majority is female. In male patients, it would be the same way that we examine females. Only problem is okay. with male patients, they are less inclined to come for a check mm. or to have it checked out. This is something that makes them very irksome. Usually mm. in the um, extra departments in this area, it's very pink, mm. very girly, mm. and they mm. do feel a bit mm. irksome. So it is a difficult thing to approach, um, but it is in a lesser amount. Um, but yes, it's it's possible. Okay, so 2% and it could even affect uh, young children is what you're saying to us. Okay, so once you've deployed and used uh, Metzl's Breast AI solution, uh, once there's been that diagnosis, what happens next? Because it's one thing to be told, yes, you may have one of these 20 plus cancers, uh, but then I want to know the next step. And does this technology help doctors with those next steps? Yes, and that's a, a crucial thing. Look, there are many AI startups, many companies rolling out products, but there's a massive gap between diagnosing it, like you say, and telling a patient you have a cancer, and then actually getting them into the treatment site. There's a massive gap between those two parts of the medical industry. So we've actually um, collaborated now with AstraZeneca globally, and we are developing a unique patient referral pathway. In other words, if a patient is diagnosed, we have a direct contact with the local um, district, provincial, and tertiary hospitals that have specialists. Um, the report of the AI is sent to them. The patient is then, uh, within a week, they are into that referral system. We have our nonprofit that also ensures the patient is educated and supported. They get a care pack. We make sure there's a social worker. All the little facets that tend to be not provided to the patient at the point mm. of diagnosis. We, we want to try and join the dots between all these different sectors so that everyone works together because it's, uh, it's very hard. I, I saw this in practice, how patients were diagnosed and they just get lost in a system and they, they don't know how to cope, what to do, where to go. So we're trying to narrow that gap right. and improve the referral pathway. Uh, we're rolling out soon at Grutteskeed Hospital um, alongside the awesome surgeons there that work with Project yeah. Flamingo. So that's also going to help with that uh, joining the dots between diagnostics, which is us, and the, the right. therapeutic side. Okay, yeah. and as we say goodbye to you, uh, let's just be reminded why this matters more so for patients in rural areas. I think anybody can use it, but it feels as if 
you're targeting rural areas for a, partific- for a particular reason. Yes, it's um, quite scary to, to say, but the recent studies have shown quite a rising increase in breast cancers in African women, and usually they only pick it up late stage, and it's because they don't have access, there is no infrastructure, and there's a lack of education. We want to serve the people that need it most, um, that need that access, um, so we're hoping that providing this high-class High in care to uh, people more from the Unjani clinics and all the rural sites, we can help to narrow that gap for them and improve their quality of life. Thank you so much for your time, uh, Dr. Catherine Malherba. Uh, you know, people who are tuning in, King says, gosh, this is such a great conversation there in your studios. But I do worry that cancerous diseases are caused by lifestyle exposures to. EMFIs, uh, like Wi-Fis, fast forward, etc. I don't know what's going on here. And biotech companies will never give its patients a permanent solution. What do you say to that? Yeah, look, there's no one reason for the cause of breast cancer. There are many risk factors. Some of it is, yes, lifestyle. Uh, and it's the typical things for any health concern. If you're yeah. overweight, you uh, drink, uh, consume too much alcohol, you smoke, all of those things can contribute to a cancer, but none of them are the defining factor. The other thing that was mentioned about why I find the waves, remember you get yes. different waves in the world, like okay. microwave and X-rays and such. Uh, the one that causes damage is X-rays, or those of a higher radiation dose, not those from... Uh, wireless connectivity or telephone lines or such. It's on a different uh, radio wave or wavelength, and it's not one of uh, that is of risk um, for for someone to develop breast cancer. It's usually a myriad of things all put together in one unfortunate event, and then one little cell in a patient decides to go haywire. And then a whole group of them starts going haywire. And then it's just like a cascading effect. Oh, thank you for your time, Dr. Catherine Malherber, CEO and the founder of Medcel AI. Let's get ourselves checked out. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.